And now let's welcome Richard Lang to the show. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you for inviting me. So what inspired your journey into the headless way? When were you originally intrigued by it? When did you really start? Well, I started when I was a teenager, when I was 17. So it's more than 50 years ago now. And I was interested in, I suppose, I was interested in who I really was. And I went to a Buddhist society summer school here in England. I knew I knew very little about Buddhism. I went with my brother. And uh, by chance, Douglas Harding, author of Honor Having No Head, was there. I had not heard of him. I went to a workshop with him, and he showed me my true nature, and the rest is the present. <laughs> <laughs> so give us a brief history of Douglas Harding and how he discovered that he had no head <laughs> before we get into the big concepts of it. <laughs> yes. Well, Douglas was uh, born into a strict Christian group called the Plymouth Brethren. His father was very keen, but he left when he was 21. He decided he couldn't accept that they had the only way to truth just because they said they did. <laughs> and uh, he then started, really, to cut a long story short, uh, exploring what it was like to be himself. And he realized he had layers, that he wasn't just human. He was made of cells, which were made of molecules, which were made of atoms, which were made of particles, which were made of practically nothing. But going away, he was part of a society, part of a planet, a star, a galaxy. So if you imagine an onion with layers, the obvious question, once you've started to explore the layers, is what is at the center? And he had the impression that it was a kind of nothingness, because the closer you got to it, the less there was to perceive. But then uh, he was in India. He'd gone there with his wife. He was an architect. He got a job there in 1937. He was 30, 28. And uh, the war broke out. He became uh, a major in the army there. And his, his inquiry into what he was at center intensified, but partly because of the war, all of that. And then one day, he, uh, he saw a picture by Ernst Mark, which was a first-person drawing. So it was a drawing Mark, this uh, philosopher, physicist, drew of himself from his own point of view. And uh, Douglas looked at the picture and realized he couldn't see his own head. And, uh, of course, he could see it there in the mirror, and other people could see it, but he couldn't. And this was, he realized, direct perception of the center, which is empty, headless, faceless, space for the world. He then uh, set about uh, writing a book, The Hierarchy of Heaven and Earth, which was published in 1952. And from there, he spent the rest of his long life, he was 97 when he died, spent the rest of his long life writing. He developed experiments, we call them, for sharing our true nature, very simple awareness exercises. And uh, I met him in 1970. He took me through some of the awareness exercises, showed me that, uh, just pointed out that from my own point of view, when I look down, my body's headless, I'm space for the world. I thought that is fantastic. That is such a a simple, direct way of communicating one's true nature. You know, when you look at someone, uh, if I look at you, Melissa, then I don't see Richard here. I see Melissa. I'm space for Melissa. I have a Melissa's face now. 
I'm looking out of this openness. So I, I looking back, uh, really, what I did was I dedicated my life from then on, really, to being aware of this primarily, enjoying it, being aware of your who you really are, but also sharing it. And uh, I have many, many friends I share this with. So I go around making friends. <laughs> <laughs> When I saw in your book, you've written it almost like a, a comic book. And I, one of the images is kind of a recreation of the Ernst Mach self-portrait. And so for listeners that can't see it, basically it would be like if you were sitting on your couch with your legs up, you can see your legs, you can see your hands, you can't see your face or your neck, but then part of his self-portrait is actually what he sees. And so he's in like an office, I believe. And so he sees the desk and the chair and, and whatever. For some reason, that image had a really profound effect on me as well, because seeing that as a self-portrait, just even contemplating that idea, in my mind, what happens is realizing that everything in my awareness is a part of me. And it's kind of like, you know, if you've gone down the self-discovery or spiritual journey, you've heard maybe many times, maybe this is your first time hearing it, how, you know, the wave seems separate, but it's just a part of the ocean and it gets sucked back into the ocean. And and so I, I think about that a lot. And I think about my place in this world and how, you know, we're all one and we're all a part of everything. And when I'm in meditation, sometimes I I try to visualize like, what would it be if my awareness was beyond just my face. But there was something about the way that image called itself a self-portrait and included what was in the awareness that just shifted for me, where I was like, everything in my awareness is a part of me. And I have, like, I, I'm actually getting chills right now. I feel like I'm gonna cry, but I'm also pregnant and I, I cried on an Instagram ad this morning, so that might not mean, mean anything, but it also <laughs> sometimes means I'm on the right track. <laughs> and. Uh, and so it, it changes the levels of even gratitude when you're aware of something because it's you were so used to just, you know, going in line at the post office and kind of judging the things around us. Oh, this line's taking too long, blah, blah, blah. But then suddenly being like, this is a part of me. This is a part of yeah. everything we experience becomes a part of us. It changes who we are when we have an interaction with somebody. We're constantly changing and evolving. And so when I'm sitting here talking to my husband or meeting a new friend, all of a sudden, who that person is, when I see them, that's my awareness. That's a part of me. And I just started to see in a different way how every single moment of life integrates within who we are. Yes. Well, that's beautiful, Melissa. And I know just what you're talking about. And uh, I don't think there's any greater discovery. And it's a rediscovery every moment, isn't it? it? It does give you chills sometimes. It does me. And this means that in a certain sense, we know each other. You see, there's a lot you don't know about me and a lot I don't know about you. And I don't know what you're thinking and feeling. And I know that you're looking out of this boundless awareness, this single eye, you see, into your world, which is you. There's no separation between the... The, the space that you're looking out of and what's in it. Now, this brings us all together. We, we are many, but we're one as well, aren't we? Just one unnamed, still spacious awareness full of everything. It's wonderful, wonderful, yes. Maybe earlier in my spiritual path, I probably would have been a little bit more confused by this. And 
I would have thought, why does that mean something that I can't see my own face? Why does it mean anything? Because I can look in the mirror and it's reflected back to me. Other people can see what I look like. They can look in the mirror with me and tell me that, yes, that's what I see. I can feel my face and confirm that it's there. So what is the significance of this idea that from our perspective right here, right now, we're headless? Well, I think it's different for everyone, the meaning, and it's different from day to day. I would say it, it is, I shared it recently. I was in California, actually, to a wedding of my niece, and uh, I got talking to the groom's grandfather, who was 92, uh, was a famous violinist. And I, I, he said, eventually, because I, I was talking about his playing and all that, and they said, what do you do? I said, I teach philosophy. Oh, what philosophy? I said, the headless way. <laughs> he said, what's that? Well, these days I don't start with explaining. I said, well, I'm looking at you. I don't see my face. I see yours instead. And he said, yes, and I see yours instead of mine. And uh, the... For, for us then, that we, we were enjoying trading faces. See, I, have, I had his face like I've got yours now, and he had mine. You see, there's a, there, there are many ways of thinking about this, but I, the listener, I, I suggest you do some of the experiments. Uh, you know, just notice the simple thing. You can't see your face now. You can, you can think about it and remember it. And, you know, I suggest that you never ever seen your head on the top of your body. You've seen it in the mirror, You've, other people see it, but you've never seen it directly. And you, for knowing about yourself, you're dependent on others you, for feedback. We're always reading people's gestures and words and signs, but I've never ever seen Richard here. Now that, it can be a bit unnerving, you suddenly realize, I've never, I've, I mean, if I've got egg on my beard, I have to wait until I look in the mirror or someone tells me. I can't, you know, or look on the screen. But walking around, I just never, ever seen. So that, it can be a bit unnerving. Uh, you're dependent on others. You only know yourself through others as a person, you see. But when I look at the place where others see Richard, I find this clear, open space full of the world here. And I can see here at my center what no one else can see. Everyone else sees Richard, and I, I accept that, and I welcome that, and I take responsibility for being Richard, more or less. But at center here, where no one else is, I look, I find this clear, boundless space. I am not a thing in the world. The world is in me. That is just mind-blowing. I, you never get used to it. The whole universe is in your awareness, in you, and there's no dividing line. Now, uh, uh, you see, I go around sharing and, uh, you know, often waxing lyrical about how wonderful it is to be who you really are, see. And I hope that it's infectious. I can't prove it. People have to just relax and look for themselves and test it out and uh, you know, see what it means to them. But uh, yes, it, it, I can't see Richard here, but I can see my true nature. And of course, all the great mystics, really, what it, what their message when it uh, is boiled down to the, uh, to the simplest thing is 
at your centre is a treasure. At your centre is a treasure. Now, what's the treasure? The treasure is God or spirit or awareness. It is a kind of stillness, a silence, in which sound happens, in which the world is happening. Now, you know, some of them say you, you are missing out on the most amazing thing if you don't wake up to that treasure. The headless way is saying, you know, point back at your face and have a look. Can you see anything there? No. I've just mentioned that uh, I have layers. We all have layers. And uh, seeing who you really are, seeing what's what at the center of all these appearances, which is this no thing full of everything. But I'll, uh, uh, it's quite useful to think of it developmentally too. So there are four stages, baby, child, adult, seer. Baby's headless, right? Pre-verbal. When you were just when you were just born, you were just space for the world. You'd you'd no idea of what you look like. You'd no idea of a a face behind which you're supposed to be living, separating you from your mum. It just open. You are you have your mum's face, but you're pre-verbal, so you don't think about it like that. Then from day one, people start reflecting back to you what you look like through language, through gestures, pointing to the mirror, and gradually you become aware. Of what you can't see, which is what others see, I became aware of Richard, you see, gradually. And uh, my mum and dad would, I suppose, point in the mirror and say, we can see that face over there where you can't see anything. And your job is to imagine that face, pull it out of the mirror, flip it the other way around, put it on like a mask. Imagine you're behind it, that you're in a, a body, you see, and you're separate from others. Well, to begin with, uh, I occasionally remembered you know, the rest of the time, I just was open, see. And my, I have a little, you know, uh, fantastical story. You're sitting with your infant friend, and you say to your friend, you know this idea of imagining you're behind a face that you can't see and acting as if you're inside a box here? I just can't do it. I can remember for about a second, and then I forget, you see. And your friend says, yeah, no, I'm just like, I'll, I'll never do it. How on earth? Are you meant to remember 24-7 that you're behind a face you can't see? I mean, but what happens is that the feedback is 24-7 and it is the ticket to joining in. It's the way you discover who you are as an individual is through others because you can't see it. You can't see yourself. You're dependent on others and you take that in. And of course, no one's talking about your central emptiness, they're all talking about your regional appearance, what you are. So by the time you're a teenager, you're completely accepting the idea that you are behind a face and separate from others and a small thing in a big world, you see. And that is because the, the feedback is 24-7 and you join in, so you give as good as you get. Well, the thing is that what you've done is taken on board what everyone else says you are which is absolutely vital. It's a very good thing. But you're now overlooking what you are for yourself. The headless way is saying, now you've, you've done the hard bit. The hard bit is becoming aware of who you are in the world, see, and, and building, stabilizing that human identity. Because it wasn't stable when you were an infant. You, you, you had to learn your name. And you start saying, Richard wants. And you say, no, no, you've got to say, I want. You know, all of that stuff. <laughs> but it's not the end of the story. Now, I say, reawaken to your own point of view. That's the mark drawing. That's the headless body. This is not denying that I've got a head, that I 
I'm a person in the world, but it's distinguishing between my appearance, see, which I can't see directly here, and my reality, which is this headless space full of the world and full of everything, which I've always been, see. And then people say, well, all right, I can see that, because it's not thinking, it's seeing, see. And you can't do it wrong. You can't, you know, sometimes see half your head here or a quarter of your head here. You never see anything here. I don't anyway. And you can't develop nothing. <laughs> you know, you see it perfectly from the start. Your understanding develops, your your response to it, the so what develops, you see, but the nothingness itself is the same for everyone. It's equalizing. You see? But then you say, Well, how can I stabilize this? Well, you see, it's the same mechanics really as uh, the way that you stabilized your human identity. You what you do is you hang out with others who are also aware of their true nature, you see. We're now both aware of our true nature, but we've got different responses to it. But it's kind of infectious because we're, you know, we're bringing it onto the front burner. So I just say to people, you know, well, make friends, share it with friends or join us in our Zoom meetings or, you know, come to a gathering or something like that. Because it's a wonderful thing to share. And, uh, you know, thinking about, meeting you, I, I, I said, oh, I wonder what, what, what her, what Melissa's response to being space for the world is, you see. And I wonder what the listeners' responses are, because you've all got it. I, I say that the, um, the headless way sets a very low bar. You, the bar is so low, you actually can't get under it, because what is seeing who you really are? Look now for your face. See, you can't see it. Or uh, close your eyes and ask yourself, how big am I? Uh, how wide am I? Are my thoughts coming out of something or out of nothing? They're coming out of nothing, you see? Do the, all these body sensations actually restrict me? No, you see? I'm going to open my eyes now. You see, so the experiments which people can find on the website or on our YouTube channel, excuse me, they direct our attention to this wide open space you see it changes everything you see because you see i'm with you and i'm being space for you when you speak and i hear two voices in one consciousness right yeah yeah, yeah. there you are two voices in one consciousness how many consciousnesses do you actually experience melissa you know that depends part of me thinks i'm at a level of almost two i can get to the place of my the consciousness I've always identified with and then also the observer. And so that's something that I've been working on for a while where I'm, and then all of a sudden like, oh, interesting that I'm having those thoughts. So I'm not sure if that was a valid response to your question, but I'm, I think about that a lot, how I, it feels like there's two of me inside of me now, <laughs> just the autonomic responses. And then the person that's sort of, you're just curious by those. Yes. I think there's probably trillions <laughs> within you. <laughs> All within this one space. I only find one space, that's what I mean. But I find lots, you know, lots of people and voices within this space. And uh, you see, I, I say when you grow up, you learn a language that is based on separation. So I means Richard and you means Melissa from my point of view. See, so I say, I am talking to you. It's me as Richard talking to Melissa there, you see. So we grow up and language confirms and affirms our separateness. 
now when we see who we are, I say, oh, my true nature isn't a thing. It's space for things. And now I need a developed language or a different language to articulate this other point of view. Because the first language is articulating the point of view where we're head to head, you know, what everyone else sees. But now I say I'm head to no head. I have your face instead of mine. These two voices are in one consciousness. I am the space for the world. Well, I'm saying that I as space, I'm room for everything. I'm no divine. Now, this is, you know, the world needs this, doesn't it? It does. Because like yeah. I said earlier, it, it changes my engagement with things, my relation to things, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Because we're so used to defining our separateness in relationship to others. It's like when I'm just hanging out in my house all day long, I can forget it sometimes because, you know, I'm just like doing my thing, living life. But the moment I come in contact with somebody else, I'm, I'm aware that I am me and that person is something else, somebody else. And even the word self-conscious is so interesting because the word has such a negative connotation. But really, if you just break down the word, it's the conscious part of yourself, you know, but we look at it as like all of a sudden we're almost insecure or we feel less than. Why is that? Why did we even give meaning to a word like that? And so now when you're viewing from that empty space and you're like, okay, well, now I'm in relationship to this person and this person is in my awareness. This person is a part of me because this, I am this awareness suddenly I don't feel that separateness anymore. The energetic yeah. barriers dissolve. And and so it decreases my inclination to even judge or to, you know, kind of want to have my own things, whatever. It's just like, oh, we're here. This is who we are. And, and it, it's just funny because I've heard that analogy of of you know the wave being part of the ocean but it's also its own wave and it goes back into the sea and it's it's always been a fun thing to contemplate but really feeling that in my body with all the people around me has been hard until that darn self-portrait that I saw something about it just completely shifted and I was like oh my gosh it's that and so in your book you talk about or you lay out the realizations of Douglas Harding and on how you know, like if you're looking really close, if you get closer or further away, you anybody who's viewing you loses that concept of you too. Like the further you go in, then you're just a bunch of cells. You you can't tell that's a human at all. And then you zoom out, you eventually see a person, but you keep zooming out and you keep zooming out and eventually you're above the city, above the planet. And that one person becomes a part of the whole mechanism. And it's kind yeah. of like when you pick up you know, a plant or a piece of fruit or, or whatever. And then you put it under a microscope and you find these tiny living organisms inside of it. And you're like, well, was that a part of the fruit or was it not a part of the fruit? Because I just ate it all anyways, you know? And, and the same is if we're looking down in a city, it's like, well, are those people a part of this? And Douglas Harding said that it was basically this creature called humanity and how we're just, we're part of that, that that is us we're in it the world is in us from our awareness and i don't know there's just something about the the way of looking at this that like i said shifted my relationship to the concept to where i just understand it on such a deeper level well i have a friend called christian who lives in hawaii and i did a workshop at brighton bush up in oregon which is a hot springs 
and uh, the the uh, post of a, the workshop was that drawing, Ernst Mark drawing, headless drop body, you see. And uh, it was stuck on a door, and I had left. Uh, the workshop was over, and Christine turned up, and she saw the poster. She saw the headless body. She turned round. She walked out, looked at the trees, and just said to herself, yes, I am everything. And it was just seeing the picture, like you in a way, just seeing the picture. It's the, the it, just looking. It's the simplicity of just seeing. Yes. But what are you looking out of now? This is not a debate. It's not an argument. Uh, uh, I can't prove it to you. You've got to just look for yourself. Do you see your head? Do you see your two eyes? Or are you looking at what I call a single eye that and it fade the view fades out all the way around into this vast openness wow yes <laughs> and that that you know that i say that must be the same for everyone now we have a different view out from that it's very strange and mysterious a different view out from this emptiness so you know in the view out we're many in the view in we're one and uh this changes everything. It just changes everything. And you never get used to it. It's always fresh and it's always giving you something new. You know, you're realizing something new. It just goes deeper and deeper. Uh, just to be room for your friends, even if you don't say anything. I'm sure they feel it because it's love. It, it, there's nothing in the way. You're just being space for them without even having to think of that. You look at someone and you enjoy their face you know you're just open to it and you're talking and you hear your voice and their voice in one silence one consciousness or you, you this space is so mysterious and creative and uh, it's still isn't it that you're driving and you know that you're in a car moving along the road and the scenery is still and you're moving but from the inside you're still in the scenery moves through you. I love dancing. I go dancing. And I was dancing a couple of evenings ago. And I was just thinking, you know, that everything is moving in me. That's not... Uh, the human Richard is moving about the dance floor. But who I really am, this, this divine openness really, is moving the whole world. It's incredible. Yeah, it is just the most wonderful discovery and it's about you you see and I, I it's probably worth saying that um, you know having waxed lyrical that the experience itself well several things to say first of all in a way it's neutral people say i haven't got it i say can you see your head i say no do you see the world instead yes you've got it but I don't feel enlightened or I don't feel peaceful or I've still got problems or I feel self-conscious. Yes, but can you see your head? No. So this means uh, that you can see who you are and still have problems. <laughs> it is, in fact, uh, you wake up to responding to problems from this problem-free space. But anyway, uh, the, the I think one of the reasons why people sometimes say, so what, is because it doesn't seem to do anything for them. I say, well, uh, in a way, that's right. You see, it is a, a neutral space, but, but be patient. 
you see, give it a chance. Because uh, I'm sure if you stay with it, it will do a lot for you. And there's another way of looking at this, that the space, although it's neutral and empty, I'm just describing it now. I mean, it's crystal clear. It's full of the world. And it is open to the world. And it's open to others. So I say that your true nature welcomes the world and welcomes others. Now, I don't always feel welcoming, you see. But my true nature is just always welcoming, built open. So I say that your true nature is, is profoundly welcoming, positive, rich. Everything is in it. And I think uh, we're so used to just seeing ourselves from the outside as limited and separate that um, it takes a bit of getting used to awakening to the inside story, which is vast and includes everything. Uh, so I say to people, just be patient. I, I really encourage people to hang out with others because you'll find that they are having the same challenges as you and they might have a, you know, something inspiring to say or you might have something inspiring to say. So uh, if, you, if the listener thinks, oh, it doesn't do anything for me, relax, <laughs> give it a chance. <laughs> You place a, a big importance on or really saying that there's a lot to be gained from hanging out with other people that are at least open to contemplating this. What are some of the insights that you've gotten from other people that have opened your awareness even more to this? Well, Douglas Harding wrote on Having No Head in 1961, and it was his first popular book on the subject. And the first chapter, he describes the experience of being headless and being space for the world. But then he goes on to explore the meaning of it. And he points out, to begin with, two things that he noticed, what it meant to him, really. The first was that when he was with people, because he could see he was face there to no face here, he didn't confront anyone. Now, that's huge. Uh, this isn't just a thought. I'm looking at you, Melissa, and I'm directly seeing that there's nothing in the way of Melissa. You're, the, the, it's not face-to-face. -face. No distance. I have your face right here. In me. So that non-confrontation is the world is sort of, you know, has got a lot of confrontation going on in it. But when you look for yourself, so that's the first thing. But then the other thing he said was that seeing that I am built open, I must assume that everyone is in the same wonderful condition, that they are room for the world. And therefore, he said, he play on words, really, he said, therefore, I must think the world of them, because they are the world. Uh, when you, you see, everyone is headless. So uh, it's not like there's an in-group and an out-group. Everyone is headless, whether they know it or not. This is a very deep recognition who, of who everyone is. And a respect for everyone. You, you can't really have higher respect for anyone than realizing they are the one. But when you can talk with others about it, then you find out, first of all, it by actually talking about it, you discover things. You confirm, affirm its reality. You say it in public. Uh, because communication is always two-way, then you get a reaction, 
and you get a reaction in words with with see just like we're talking i i i enjoy the fact that you're aware of your true nature and are happy to talk about it now you'll meet a lot of people who don't know about their true nature and don't want to talk about it fine right fine but but if you're interested in something it might be tennis or chess or i don't know it's nice to hang out with others and talk shop isn't it well it's a bit like that uh, it's hanging out with others who are aware of their true nature who are aware of the you know i'm in you and you're in me and you can say it you see i the, the other thing uh, I, i'm learning as i go along we have many zoom meetings I've, I've run workshops for years and sort of developed my understanding of what it what what sharing it is about uh, in a sense and um it is the the discovery that everyone is this is coming from this place i don't know i don't know it's just uh, wonderful i'm reminded yeah. of napoleon hill i bring this up a lot because he was the first person that really introduced me to the concept of masterminding about basically getting people together and you know I can bring me and somebody else together and it isn't just what I know and what that person knows we co-create and we yeah. come up with things that ideas and and insights that neither of us had before coming into contact with each other. And so for me that is one of the most important reasons as to why I should hang out with people that are also on a path doesn't need to be the exact same path as I am just a path of some sort of discovery some sort of living off of autopilot trying to bring some intention and insight and just realization yeah. to what everyone around us says is the only truth and in co-creating then, then yeah you'll have these new insights new discoveries new realizations about yourself and the, and the world that we live in and one of the things that douglas harding talked about was like what is actually even a part of us and you had this illustration of of him and somebody else and it's like well are these false teeth a part of me and the guy's like well no they're they're false and it's like well is it why is that is it because they're loose well my saliva's loose yeah but that's growing with you well this is growing <laughs> with me and it kind of went back and forth and and got you to think on all of these things and it's like well yeah we actually define these things that are not a part of us by these rules that we just skip over all of these things that we just automatically assume are a part of us and we don't question it. And when we consider yeah. that our cells are regenerating all of the time, and I'm sure plenty of people have heard this, I know this is a simplistic kind of description of this idea, but for the most part, we are co completely different cell makeup every seven years or so. And I've read that, yeah, some things generate, regenerate faster and slower than others. But for the most part, in seven years from now, I'll have a whole new makeup. So why am I still myself versus not, you know? And so when, you, when you're thinking of it in that way, and then you consider this awareness perspective of just being this empty space and everything that's coming into your awareness, becoming a part of yeah. you. I love that. Uh, just the thought of yeah being in a car and we think we're moving through it but we're we feel still we're just sitting there you know like with our, oh, our foot no. on the gas but then all of a sudden the whole world is moving through us and so that's what i love about just thought experiments where 
yeah, you can you can go with what feels and seems obvious, what you know your science teacher might just say to you, <laughs> you know what, what you've always learned. But if you just give it a little bit more thought and compare it to other things and really question what you are, who you are in this moment, what you're observing, and what those observations actually even mean, because the deeper you go into science, I know a lot of people kind of separate the science and the spirituality, but science is crazy when you think about it. Like we are not solid beings like we think we are. And science proves that we're constantly moving molecules. And one of the ways that Douglas Harding described it, or maybe you described it in your book, it was a combination of the two, was that science says that light bounces off your hand and into your eyes and then forms an image that's encoded and passed to your brain where it's reconstructed. And only then do you see your hand or an idea of your hand. And if you have an imbalance in your mental processes, that's why, you know, some people have like actually have illusions that are so real that they cannot tell it from the reality everyone else is perceiving. Who's to say that that person's reality is wrong when they're perceiving it in such a real way? There's all these different ways to sort of question what we're experiencing in the moment and and sort of flip us upside down on it. And it can be maddening, but it, it can also be really expansive. Yes. Well, this is taking a fresh look. And uh, you, you see, what you are depends on where you're viewed from. It's as simple as that. And view, you see me from over there as a person, but that's because you're a certain distance from me. Uh, and I get that, you see, but as you say, when, when the observer comes, the observer comes up to me. They don't find Richard over here. I disappear, like you said, I, I disappear. And I'm right at center and I've completely disappeared. But then to, I look out from this emptiness and I've got all those layers of the world from my, you know, headless body to other people to the clouds and other planets and stars and, you know, into the far distance. And uh, this makes sense scientifically, you know, from the outside, certainly I am walking down the street, see, from the point of view of, of, of other people on the street. That's what they tell me. But I'm not moving. I'm still. Now, who is it at my center? You see, who is it? Well, you, you, you've got to just pause for a moment and put aside what everyone is telling you that you're a person and look for yourself. And uh, when I look for myself now, I see uh, my body disappears into this open space and I've got the room and Melissa and everything else in me, you know, to the furthest star, really. Say, so, now, that is that is big. <laughs> it's very big, you know. And uh, all kinds of things happen within this space. You know, good things, bad things, good, bad, and ugly. You know, it's not. It doesn't make everything all right in that sense. You know, life goes on and it's full of challenges. But you see that your true nature is safe because nothing can affect this space. On the one hand, you're kind of free of the world. On the other hand, there's no divine line. You're completely engaged. So th this is a radically different way of appreciating yourself and the world. Everything is upside down and inside out from, from the first person point of view. You know, from outside, I've grown up and I've learned because I've never seen my face here, but I've learned everyone else sees my face here. And I'm behind it. My thoughts and feelings are behind my forehead somewhere. 
Then I look for myself. I've got no forehead. So my thoughts and feelings are all out in the world, <laughs> you know, kind of, you know, out there with the wall and with the people, and I, I'm free of it all here. And uh, you, you, everything is different. And that's why it's good to meet others, you see, because they'll have different realizations going on about who they really are, and that's inspiring. Yeah. It yeah. suddenly makes concepts make so much more sense. Like you have the whole universe inside of you. I've always sort of looked at that as an analogy because yeah, it is interesting when you like have a, a picture of the inside of a brain and then a picture of the cosmos and all the similarities of them or like the picture of your brain stem and a tree. And so I had always sort of yeah. interpreted it in that way where it's like, oh yeah, all of these same things, the macro is the micro. Yeah. But when you suddenly open it up to you being just the space like the the one because it doesn't even seem like we're looking out of two eyes it's this one no. big eye you know this yes. one big space above yes. all i can really see down is like my chest <laughs> and yes. beyond and so then the concept of like i'm not in my body my body's in me or my yeah. my center is not hidden so many of us on not that hidden. go into self-discovery are, are looking for the center the core of who we are and this whole time we're actually just looking out of it it's exactly. it's right here it's it was never lost there's something to find i know oh, what a joke i mean incredible yeah and it, i mean the the analogy is just so tame compared to the actual reality which is there is no dividing line everything is within you you are this vast open space everyone else is too uh yeah i know i mean well i mean it's a delight to yeah, that you're enjoying this, Melissa, and uh, you know, you, 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 you see, you are uh, accepting what you experience. You're accepting what you see. You're taking it seriously, not solemnly, seriously. You, you, you say, yes, you know, yes. It, you, I can see who I am here and now. I'm looking out of it. It was, it was never hidden. And I have these moments where my instinct towards separateness comes back in and it's like the you know somebody looks at you funny and you're like oh yeah maybe there is something to be self-conscious about which by the way i will never look at that word self-conscious again <laughs> in the same way <laughs> but i was recently thinking about the idea of of how we all are more connected than we think with tuning forks so tuning forks i was i played music for a really long time and it's just so interesting if you put a tuning fork in a room and you kind of ding it and one tuning fork goes off and say there's a bunch of other ones in there, they'll all lightly hum. Oh, and so yeah. without even having to touch it at all, and you can stop the original yeah. one and the other ones still hum. Uh, who talks about that in their book? I knew this from high school, but then I was reminded in a book I was recently reading. And so, oh, The Emotion Code by Dr. Bradley Nelson. And, and so I was just rethinking about that. And I'm like, oh yeah, our connectedness is so awesome. It's why when somebody walks into a room and they are angry and even if they're hiding it you can sense it you can like cut tension with a knife or the positive energy in a room you go in and all of a sudden you just feel better or you feel lower or whatever and it's like because this illusion of separateness is just an illusion anyways regardless of how hard we're trying how hard we're clinging to these beliefs that we've grown up with we're always being affected by anything that's in our awareness even if we don't see it we can just feel it we can be turned around our awareness in another direction and it's behind our headless self and we yeah. still feel that tension and so all of these things combined 
I love how you put it where it's just like just seeing what realizations people come up. There's no right or wrong answer. It's just like, okay, think about yeah. this, dwell on it, experience life in a slightly different way, experience this moment in a vastly different way than you have vastly been forever and different. just see yeah. what happens. Like what comes to your mind? How do you feel in relationship to your life, to the people? Yeah. What opens up for you? And so I'm curious, yeah when you really discovered this, what, what changed for you the most? Well, uh, many things have not changed. I'm, I still feel self-conscious, but I'm very happy with that because I can feel, so. you know, I need to feel self-conscious. I need to be aware of Richard. I, I don't have to get rid of feeling self-conscious. I had to work that one out. I think I realized that I had to realize uh, uh, to work it out for myself. It's okay to feel subconscious. That arises in the space too. It doesn't stop missing the space, you see. So you, uh, there's, not, there's nothing gone wrong there. I just feel uh, you found home. You're at home. It's very simple things. You're at home. Everything is within you. Uh, you know, you, you, it's not like I think about it all 24-7. I, you know, I, I get on with my everyday life and all of that. But this is always here, isn't it? I think, uh, I mean, personally, what, what I suppose happened for me was that I, I think it's self-evidently true. Well, it is self-evidently true. So a kind, there's a kind of end of seeking, isn't there? You, you think, well, I've got it. I've got it, and perfectly, you know, like everyone else has if they want it. So you know, there's a kind of end of seeking. There's a kind of deep confidence, I suppose, that you're home, even when things are going funny, you know, there's, there's that. There's the recognition that it's just eternally creative. Uh, it will go deeper and deeper. You're on a fantastic ride forever. I think in my own life, because... Douglas, uh, uh, when I met him, he, he just said to everyone, look, come and visit as friends, if you are interested in that. So I did. And I, whenever I used to go to his house, there were always lots of people there. So I made a lot of friends. And uh, I knew Douglas. I used to visit all the time, go do workshops with him. So in during my life, I have the great good fortune to make many, many friends. You see, I, I, I probably, I, I have a very low bar for friendship as well. I say anyone who is happy to share with this, this with me, I call a friend. <laughs> because uh, you know, well, the Quakers used to call each other friends in the friend society. And that's the basis of it. So I, in my life, I, I've got hundreds, if not you know, I don't know. I, I just keep meeting people all the time, like now. And I, and we share our true nature and we're excited by it. And uh, uh, here we are, uh, you know, this is part of the ride, isn't it? You know, meeting people and it's inspiring. It's fun. I, I go to lots of Zoom meetings a week. I, there's a great community of, of friends, you see. And, uh, and we're all discovering the joy that we're all home. <laughs> even when things go wrong you know we i suppose we support each other in living from the truth you know every day new realizations come i mean i i, I do i am communicating a lot about it i'm always in touch with people i'm writing about it i am um, you know uh, so it's not surprising you know i uh, it's what uh, I've retired. I was a therapist. I've retired. Now I'm just 24/7 on on this. So you know it. You know it's inspiring me all the time. But I just became aware 
just the last day or two of the, the fact that Machunez is timeless and things come and go, but there's always something in the space. Now, I just think, Richard, you know, you, how long have you got left in your life? You might as well say yes to this. You know, you might as well just take the brakes off and say yes. That is just where I'm at, you see. So, my God, it's just like the world is arising in consciousness and each thing comes and goes, but the, but the, the whole doesn't, just happening here. Now, that is wild. That is wild. You, you, it's forever. It's forever. So I don't expect people to, you know, agree with me. I don't care. It's just true, you know. Now, that is so joyful. Douglas Harding had a lovely phrase. He said, everything that comes and goes, you see, every joyful thing has a shadow. Everything has a shadow. I mean, you shine a light on it as a shadow, but everything has a shadow in the sense that it will end, except you, except you. And he called it, this is the joy that knows no variation and casts no shadow. There is not a downside to who you really are. There's a downside to every experience, to everything there is. And uh, we're not, I'm not denying that. I, uh, and I don't like it all the time, but would I want it any other way? I can't, anyway, that's the way it is. But who you really are, who you really are, it, 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 this is the good news, you see. The good news that people like Jesus and the Buddha were talking about. It wasn't just, uh, you know, finally sorting out your tax. <laughs> it was, hey, you are the one that was never born and will never die and everything was within you and everything's pouring out of you and there's no separation and everyone is this too. <laughs> you know, so I, you know, the older I get, the more loudly I sing my song and just say, you know, who you really are is just fabulous, fabulous. And you are. How did you come to be, you see? How did you come to be? You don't know. I don't know. But I am. Now, but it's worth pausing for a moment and going, well done. Yeah. There's a lot we don't understand about the world, but good, you see. <laughs> I was meditating on this this morning, and you're right. The insights can, I almost had what felt almost like contradicting insights. And I'll, I'll let yeah. you into my mind for a minute because <laughs> I was like, I was thinking, wow, suddenly I have this greater appreciation for the body that I can see. Because, mm. yeah, things come and go from my awareness all the time, but that's always there. And then yeah. I had this thought, but it'll age and it'll get different and my hands will look different than they do now in 20 years and, and whatever. And I'm coming from a perspective of, or a past of having a lot of body image issues, having an eating disorder for a long time and, and really working on that. And there was something just about that familiarity, like that was my friend. It's it's the part of me that's always walking with me, literally yeah. and figuratively, you know, that that yeah. changed my energy around that. And then yeah. even as it ages, just watching, watching it and seeing like, just like you would watch your grandma. You don't look at your yeah. grandma and start to say, oh, yeah, you're, the cartilage around your nose is getting bigger and you don't look as, you never do that to your grandma. You're just like, grandma's beautiful, you know? Like, yeah. and now just sort of seeing my body in that same light and it's not separateness, it's, it's love, which is connectedness, yeah. you know? It's just this different perspective. And, and I think anything that can kind of get us out of judgment or separateness is worth exploring because, I really do feel, at least with me, that that's my biggest source of pain. If you really go yeah. layers and layers beyond any pain that you ever feel, it's 
separateness in a way yeah. it's it's real it's that belief that you aren't connected that you aren't enough that you're different or alone or or whatever it is and and so whether or not you walk around with this new perspective for the rest of your life where you have a tool to sort of snap you out of those moments and get you to see this moment in a different way so that you don't spiral like we tend to do either way you want to play with it it's it's worth it so thank you so much for bringing this insight. Like I said, I was not expecting to like feel such a profound shift in like the first few pages of your book. And I was like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I'm just walking around and I'm like, I have no head <laughs> for all seeming crazy, but it's, it's fun. It's a laugh. It's so funny yeah. that the truth can be discovered with such ease and simplicity in, su in such a funny way in a way. But, but uh, with regard to separation, I discovered something. Uh, quite a while back now, because uh, I got, uh, after many years of seeing who I was, I started getting panic attacks. And I thought, how does that work? What is that about? You know, and I tried to get rid of it. I realized what the source of the panic attack was, was feeling separate, see, feeling threatened, others, see. And so, I, you know, I tried to get rid of the feeling, I'm not separate, I'm not separate, I'm not separate. It didn't work. <laughs> the thought didn't work. And to cut a long story short, what happened was I came to accept that I couldn't get rid of the feeling of separation. And when I started to accept it and then explore the good things about it, because when I have that feeling of separateness from you, which I do, I have the feeling that you're someone else living your own life over there in California, you see. I have that deep feeling, even though I can see there's no dividing line, you're just a picture in consciousness, see. There's no other. At the same time, the paradox, I have this deep feeling that you are other. And I can't get rid of it, you see. And then I think, actually, this is really beautiful. This is, this, the one has somehow become two. Is, is somehow there is someone out there, but the other is not me and is me. And when I began to say yes to the feeling of separation, I realized it is a great gift. This feeling of the other is a wonderful development, you see. Now, it, it's difficult. It comes at, uh, you know, a prize. You know? But now, uh, don't, uh, I'm less, much less, uh, inclined to fight the feeling of separation, but to celebrate it as a as something arising in the space. You see, yeah, <laughs> I love that. But you know, it's a lesson I I didn't want. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You know, I started getting uh, like deep feelings of anxiety after I gave birth, and. It was a whole process where I'm like, what is this? Like, everything yeah, feels like it's closing in, like doom and gloom. You can't think yourself out of it. Yeah, not at all. It makes it worse. Yeah. But even as you were talking and, and sharing your insights, I was sort of melting into the headless way. And then all of a sudden I felt, I'm like, well, if this is all a part of me, then all of a sudden I just felt so grateful. I'm like, how cool in my awareness is this man that has had all these discoveries that's devoted his life. And now it's in my mind. Now yes. I'm just absorbing it. And now it's a part of me. How amazing is that? And then it's like in those moments of feeling alone and all of a sudden you're talking to your best friend and maybe you go from comparing like, oh, she has a better body than me or this or that. And then all of a sudden it's just like, 
oh wait, the universe just delivered this being because I was feeling lonely. Oh, yeah. And and so there, there's just so many ways to oh, yeah. interpret it depending on what you need. It, and I think for me, it, it's just being aware of what would feel good for me in this moment. And and because of this new way of seeing it, I can sort of sink into that and and experience it in a whole new way than I would have otherwise. And, and if you take the view that it all flows from the, the void here, from, you know, the source, I mean, that's a common image, isn't it? The source, the origin, the place where everything comes from. Uh, you, you, you've got to say, wow, it, it is just clever. I mean, I, I don't always like what it gives me. But, you know, if I'm patient, there's usually... I go, oh, oh, I see. <laughs> you know, I mean, it takes me a while to see. But the, you know, like this conversation is coming out of the great void now, isn't it? I mean, we didn't know this was going to happen. And, you know, we, we didn't know what we were going to talk about. We, we, I hadn't met you before. It just, the void. I mean, how did it do it? <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> and just being able to approach it with that curiosity and, and gratitude. It's just like, wow, well, what's next? What's possible? What's going to happen now? Rather than, oh, this is what I expect to happen and hopefully it lives up to it or this is what I want and now I'm not feeling it, which is how we, so many of us normally go through life. But instead it's just like, this is this big open void that I'm living in and anything can arise. I wonder what I'll create or what we'll co-create together. I, I have a phrase, life is one damned blessing after another. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, you have a website full of different experiments that you can do because it is, it yeah. can be a daily practice for you if it's something that, yeah. whether it opens you up from the very beginning or something that you want to keep working on, there's there's tons of them. You even have an app. So for listeners that are interested in learning more, where's the best place to find your book, your app, your site? Well, go to headless.org and you'll find experiments and lots of things there but you'll also find in the menu a link to the youtube channel and there must be you know two or three hundred videos on the youtube in the experiments talks with harding you'll get interviews with people so there's a huge amount to explore and do feel welcome to join us in our free zoom meetings and uh to find out about those, you can just contact me through the website and I'll send you the information. So uh, what a delight to meet you, Melissa, and uh, be uh, uh, have this conversation arise in the great mysterious wild void. <laughs> <laughs> it's been such a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> yeah.